Good morning to each one of you and greetings in Jesus' name. I have an assignment upcoming in November. I was asked to speak at uh, Bethel down in Gladys. And so the, the, the topic there is uh, family, the home. And so I'm sharing a message here this morning in preparation for that. And it is uh, titled, Train in the Way. Now we're not talking about train, comma, in the way. We're talking about train in the way of God and his word. It says in Proverbs chapter 20, um, yeah, Proverbs 22, verse six, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child, train up a child in the way. This word train means to initiate, to discipline. And this, this phrase in the way means a road that is trodden. And you know, as I thought about that, I remember back when we had cattle back at, uh, down, down at my mom's, and actually we still do, but there are paths through the pasture. And cattle are creatures of habit, and they travel those paths, and it is a dirt path, grass on both sides. And it is a path well trodden. And as we look at God's Word, I want you to picture that path well trodden. As we look at this subject this morning, let's look at that path well trodden because it has been walked over time and time and time again, countless ways, countless people on that way. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We know that training takes work. And you've heard that phrase, no pain, no gain. And I'm not talking about pain inflicted. I'm talking about no pain, no gain on our part as parents. I'm talking about sacrifice. I'm talking about time spent. It takes work. And in, in training our children, our most valuable resource, what should we want to spend more time doing than in teaching and training and walking those paths well trod? And I know that some of you are thinking, well, this doesn't really apply to me. Well, guess what? It really does apply to you because you are probably currently in training whether you are a child that is small, whether you are a teen that is in the process, whether you are a young person that's thinking about marriage, whether you are a young parent or newly married, whether you are past that time where you're raising those children, guess what? Their people are still watching. They are still learning. We are training we are in some type of training no matter where we are in life. Rachel is 29 and Renee is 12. We have no teenagers currently. Benjamin just turned 20 
and Renee is 12. And so until January 20 of 22, we are out of teenagers. Does that mean that our responsibility has stopped? Our training has stopped far from it. Because even though we're not as much in the thick of it now, we are still in the thick of it in praying, in hoping for our children, still in communication with them, in the different aspects of life that they are walking now, we still have opportunities. And we still have the want to, the desire, the attitude of no pain, no gain. We still have that desire to sacrifice for the benefit of our children. And it's not as pressing maybe now as it once was, but the, uh, the desire that they prosper spiritually is still first and foremost I want you to think about what is riding on the decisions you make. What's riding on the discipline or lack of discipline personally in your life or in your family? And that discipline does not start just when you have children, but that discipline starts in our lives years, years before in preparing for that day. And so that's why I say, whether you think it applies to you or not, well, guess what? It does apply. Because more, more is caught than taught, and we need to recognize that. Our lives have a huge impact on our children and those around us eternally. And what kind of impact am I leaving? What kind of impact are you leaving? I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments with the, which the Lord your God commanded. That, 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 um, sorry, missed a part of that verse. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whether you go to possess it. Now, pay attention to that verse. He's saying these commandments, statutes, judgments which God commanded to teach that ye might do them. That's pointing to us personally first. We need to be doing them before we can teach them. And it says in the land, whether you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God. Do you fear God? And is it noticed by your children and by others that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all His statutes and all His commandments which I commanded thee, thou and thy son and thy son's sons all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. 
And in verse 3 it says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. He is saying in verse 3, Listen and do and observe, that it may be well with thee. Verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. This word diligently means to point intensively. It means to pierce, to prick, to sharpen, to wet. We were at a, the auction yesterday, George Hartman's auction, and they had a whetstone, I'm sorry, a steel there. That steel was old, and it was smooth. And the handle, <laughs> it was well used but the many years of someone sharpening a knife on that steel I wonder how many blades ran down the side of that steel but it means to wet to sharpen to prick and to point intensively toward and then it says and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Now, the mezuzah was something that was hung, that was, a, that was looked upon. And this bind them for a sign upon thine hand, it was actually something that they wore on their hand or their forearm. And there was also something that they held between their eyes. And it was a physical representation of the commands of God that they were supposed to bind as a sign. And we don't have those physical things here today that we use, but we have things from God's Word that we need to tie in our heart or bind in our heart that we need to look to all the time. It says, And thou shalt write them upon the post of thine house and on thy gate, and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities, cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. And when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then listen. It says, then beware. When we become well-filled and complacent and comfortable, He says, Beware lest thou forget the Lord thy God. Because God brought us out of bondage. He brought those children out of the bondage of Israel. He took them across that desert in those many years where their clothes didn't wear out. Their sandals didn't either. He fed them manna and provided them water. And for all of those years, God was leading this rebellious people out of this physical land. 
but today. He's not reading, leading us out of a physical land, but He is leading us out of a land of bondage of sin to self. And it's, He is saying here, Beware lest thou forget. And so my challenge to you, to me, is when we are comfortable with our income in our house and many other things, let's beware that we do not forget the Lord which is bringing us or has brought us out of bondage of this world, out of sin. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve Him and shalt swear by His name. And ye shall go, not go out after other gods of the gods of the people which are around about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off, off the face of the earth. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Massa. Ye shall diligently keep the commands of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he hath commanded thee. And this was diligently keep. Again, diligently work towards, point towards, prick, sharpen, wet. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to cast out all thine enemies from before thee, as the Lord hath spoken. And when thy son asketh thee in the time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son. Now I want you to think a little bit about the time of growing up. And you know, as you accompany your dad <clears throat> or mom, as you go about work and life, you know, as our children accompanied me out on the farm or into town or even into the woods, there was often the question, why? Why, Daddy? Do we take the time to sit down and say, this is why? Do we take that time? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, we were, in Pharaoh, we were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. What is your testimony? What is your testimony to your children, to your friends, maybe to your nieces and nephews? What is your testimony to them? And the Lord showed signs and wonders and great, great and sore upon Egypt upon Pharaoh, upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out, of the, out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which, we swear, which he swore unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. Let's look at that verse just a bit. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that He might preserve us alive. Why does God give us guidelines in His Word? Why does He give us instruction? Why does He give us salvation through Christ? Faith, it is for our good always, eternally, that He might preserve us alive not physically, but that He might preserve us alive eternally. 
and verse 25, And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as He hath commanded us. For that physical nation of Israel, God gave them an explicit set of rules for them to follow. And they were very tedious rules and laws. And it said, it shall be for our righteousness. Today, our righteousness is in Jesus Christ alone. And as we live our lives in obedience to God's word, in obedience to Jesus Christ and his commands, it says, we, if we do observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God, as he hath commanded us, Jesus is our righteousness. God clearly communicated with these children of Israel where he wanted them to go, what he wanted them to do, how he wanted them to do that. He clearly said that they were to get rid of all those people that would contribute to their downfall, to pulling away, falling away from God. <clears throat> and God wants us to communicate with our children not just because I said so, but because this is what God expects from us. And we know that communication is probably the biggest contributor in relationships. How can you better understand or get to know something, get to know someone better if you don't talk with them, if you don't converse with them? We need to talk to our children, to instruct our children, not just to talk at them, but to talk to them. And I understand there are some times that we do need to speak specifically and say, this is what you must do. But we need to communicate. And communication is not just instructing, but communication is hearing and listening, as well as talking. How do we communicate? We communicate with time. We communicate with spending time with them. We communicate by eating meals together. We communicate in our work, in our play, when we go away. And again, this takes work. It takes effort. But communication is part of that package. And it, communication takes sacrifice on my part, on your part as a parent. What value do you place on your children? Do you place their value above your time, your work, your business? Or do you place their value as subservient to all of those other things? Well, our children, to me, and I think to all of us, they should be our most valuable product. Not the corn in the field. Not the business that's growing not whatever it is that, that you do for, for, a, for a livelihood, but our most valuable product is our children because our children are eternal beings that we are going to take with us. Or maybe not. Find out how their day was. Listen, observe, spend time. Talk to them. Our table time, the amount of people around our table is dwindling. And so right now, there's four of us, sometimes five. 
And that, is, that has been one of our favorite times around the table, talking about what went on for the day, what went on at work, what went on at school, what's going on at youth, what we need to do around the farm, who said what or did what. But it's a time to communicate. It's a time to listen. It's a time to enjoy fellowship and to build that relationship. But that is spelled time, sitting around that table. Another thing is our obedience personally. Our obedience speaks louder than any instruction we can ever give. And if we are not living in obedience to God and His Word, how can we expect our children to live above what we are doing ourselves? How can we expect them to do better than we? God clearly stated in verse 1, that ye might do them. That's for me personally. That's for you personally. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach that ye might do them in the land whether you go to possess it. God wants us to live it out first and then expect it of our children. And if we don't set a standard for ourselves or for our children, there's not going to be a lot of progress. We have to have an expectation of accomplishment. We have to have an expectation or a goal set so that we can strive to meet that goal. It's like I've always told our children, if you never play anyone better at ping pong than you, you're never going to get better. If you never crash when you are out on the water, you're never going to get better. But you have to spend that time and take those chances and play that better person to get better. And for each one of us, we need to set our standard just a little bit higher. And God is our standard. His Word is our standard. These statutes, these commandments, these judgments, with the Lord God commanded, He said, teach that you might do them. I think if we go back to the standard of God's Word, we always have something that is completely stable and completely, um, well, I'm not sure the right word, solid. Completely stable and completely solid. When we look at God's Word, it is never changing. It is always the same. And God wants us to live according to that standard in life, in obedience, in faith. God has set that standard. Ted Tripp, in his book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, says obedience is willing submission of one person to the authority of another. And he says that this submission is without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. And I know that probably you've heard this little phrase, delayed obedience is disobedience. I didn't hear that phrase until I came into the Mennonite circles. <clears throat> but that phrase has always stuck with me. Delayed obedience is disobedience. 
And obedience is willing submission of one person to the authority of another without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. God has established some responsibility for our children as well to submit to the authorities in their lives. Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Think about that. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. This is God's standard. This is not something I cooked up. It is God's standard. And verse 2, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. This is God's standard, not mine. Children, obey and then honor. Colossians 3, it says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Again, this is God's standard. It's something solid. It's something true. It's something that is for all ages. Number three, God has placed authority as in, in all of life. God has given us, as parents, the authority to love, discipline the children that He has entrusted in our care for His glory. And can we be challenged like Abraham? And I know Daddy has shared these verses before, and I really appreciate these verses. In Genesis 18, God says about Abraham, He says, For I know him that he will command his children after his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. God knew the heart of Abraham. And God knew that Abraham would command his children and his household after him. That's a challenge to me. That's a challenge to me to give proper guidance to our household, to our children, that they will follow God, not just the church, but that they will follow God. And God has given us the proper order of headship, and He has vested in us as parents to love, to teach, and to discipline our children. And that means He has given us the responsibility and the authority to teach. To teach our children God's ways, like it says in Deuteronomy. And also in Ephesians. And along with that responsibility, there are, there are warnings. And for men, we need to pay attention to some of these warnings. We gave some instruction to the young people. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor your father and mother. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to God. Ephesians 6, verse 4, it says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but... Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Colossians 3.21 Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. We have some instruction here for me, for you as men. And maybe you're not there yet, but one day you will be. And one day you will probably get frustrated. Will we look back to God's Word and control that so that we can give our children instruction, that we can nurture them, that we can, it says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Love and discipline, we know, go hand in hand. 
as we look at some of these verses in Proverbs, some of these words, some of these phrases, they may, may seem, sound quite harsh. But I want you to bear with me as we look at some of these words and some of these phrases. Proverbs 13, verse 24. By the way, we're going to be in Proverbs here for just a bit. Proverbs 13, verse 24. <clears throat> It says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. The NIV says, and Daryl shared this in the word hate, and it doesn't mean like despise or the word hate as we would see it. But the NIV says, He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. <clears throat> and I looked up those, some of those words in this verse, and I kind of paraphrased it. If you refrain from correction, your child will be like an enemy. But if you love them, you will give them warning, instruction, and discipline. This word hate refers to that they will turn away. They will turn away from your teaching. If we, if we as parents refrain from correcting our children, they will turn away and be as if an enemy. But if you love them, if you listen to them, if you spend time with them, if you chasten them, you will give them warning. You will give them instruction and you will give them discipline. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22, verse 15. <clears throat> Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. This word foolishness means silly. And we all recognize the immaturity of children, of young people. This word child means a boy or a girl from the age of infancy to adolescence. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. This word rod means a stick, not a bat, not something that bruises, but it is for punishing, for correction. And this word correction is properly chastisement, reproof, warning, instruction, restraint, chastening, rebuke. It's not the harshness of, but it is the love of discipline and correction. Not that we take out our frustrations because we need to discipline with the love of God in our hearts. And it is for their good and our good, for the good of the kingdom. Verse 20, uh, chapter 29, Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. 
Now, I've heard of people getting sent to their room or young children being, being sent to their room. And personally, I think it's maybe not the best idea. And again, this is, this is my opinion. I don't think it's a real good idea to send a child to their room alone, unsupervised, because children need accountability. They need help in restoring their heart and their attitude. And you cannot observe and you cannot spend that time watching and listening and observing them if they are far, far away from you in another room or whatever. And so a lot of the times if some, one of our children was disciplined, they were disciplined where we could be with them, where we could see them. And it wasn't always with a tool but some most times it was with words but as we look at some of the scriptures it was restraint it was teaching it was instruction and we see how Eli did not restrain his sons and what kind of men were they it says Eli did not restrain his sons and they were wicked men and they brought judgment and shame on themselves and on Eli. And you can read that in 1 Samuel. I think we've looked over that. But we need to teach restraint. We need to give correction. We need to give instruction for righteousness. To guide our children. To correct their hearts. Proverbs 29, verse 17. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give, thee, give delight unto thy soul. This word again, correct, means to chastise. It can be literal or figuratively, either a blow or with words. And I would dare say that most of our instruction is instruction with words. But I also recognize that there comes a time where you may need to instruct with further means. Do you love the posterity that God has entrusted? Do you love your children that are grown and married? Do you love those that will live eternally? Well, sometimes they need instruction. And I'm right there as well. And I appreciate someone that comes and shares in a kind way of instruction that I need in my life. But if we really do love, then it's going to be a regular practice to give instruction, to listen, to correct with love. The word beatest further up means to strike lightly or severely. It means stripes or wound and correction or discipline is mostly verbal, like I said. However, direct disobedience may take on a different form. If a tool is applied correctly, properly, with love and prayer, it helps the child to remove their guilt. It helps the child to be restored in relationship. And it helps the child to understand the proper authority that God has ordained. And that's for each one of us. God has ordained proper authorities 
Are we following those proper authorities? And again, it goes back to no pain, no gain. Am I willing to take the time to sacrifice my time, my energy, my things, my wants, my wishes for one of our most valued products? And that is an eternal soul entrusted in my care, your care for God's glory. God desires us to train our children in the way that they should go, as we read in this very first verse. So let's diligently and with purpose seek to follow that path of Abraham, commanding our children and our household in keeping the way of the Lord for His glory, for our good, for eternal life. May the Lord bless you.